I'm just going to mention briefly um, three books I've, I've got here. Um, this one I, I wrote some years ago, From Home to the Throne, but people love it and keep buying it, and it's great. And it's the story of Joseph and the four houses he lived in. He only lived in four homes in the whole of his life. A parent's home, Potiphar's home, prison and palace. And um, I was thinking the other day that uh, the story of Joseph fills a lot of the Old Testament, a big part, part of Genesis. And Joseph is, is the, the Christ of the Old Testament. The story of Joseph is the story of Christ in the Old Testament. And when he went into the prison, which outwardly looked like defeat and failure and hopelessness, that was like Jesus Calvary was, was that same point. And from there, God highly exalted him uh, to, the, to the throne of the universe. And God's plan has always been to get a man, woman on the throne, not of the church, but of, of the world. We're called to rule and reign in Christ. And, and so the story of Joseph is highly significant and full of um, uh, wisdom for us in, in navigating the, the challenges that we face, yes. which, which are, uh, to be honest, very confusing at times. Uh, life can be very, very confusing and bewildering. And things come from nowhere that suddenly change the course of your whole life. This has happened to us uh, in our lives. We, we uh, Ten years ago, we... We began fostering a, a little boy and nine years nine years ago, and um, we thought we would uh, he would be adopted and he wasn't and we were faced with the choice whether to keep him or hand him back to social services and we couldn't do that uh, so we made a, a life changing decision to to keep that little boy and he's now our son and you know he's he's growing up as our son and uh, but it it it, it absolutely changed everything like overnight and uh, it took me about three months to come to terms with that and things happen you know from nowhere they they happen but thank god that in the bible we have the story of a man who who navigated some pretty horrendous stuff uh and it was all wrapped up in the will of god uh and god used those things so when his brothers were distressed that he might get revenge on them. He says, hey, no, it's okay. You meant it for evil, but God intended it for good, for the saving of many lives. So that's that one. Um, your word is your world. Uh, I recently republished this with some, re rewrote it, put some extra chapters in. And uh, it's, it's about the life-changing creative power of, of our words that, that, you know, the devil cannot create anything. And uh, it's God and us. We're made in God's image. And so this book is, is, is all the principles concerning how to employ your words to create the world around you, um, just like God does his. Uh, and then the other one uh, is uh, the heart of the overcomer. Now, this is the story of Gideon. I love Old Testament characters. I was very concerned over many years about the, the common narrative surrounding Gideon. I was troubled by this idea that he's this young, cowardly farm boy that is hiding from the Midianites. And suddenly the, the angel shows up and boom, he's completely changed into something else and becomes the savior of the nation. And I just thought this doesn't make sense at all to me. And so I, I had an in-depth period of prayerfully studying the scriptures and what I unearthed was a completely different narrative. 
Gideon was not young. He was a mature man. He had children, one of whom was old enough to bear the sword and was almost certainly his son was one of his own 300 men, his oldest son, because he's with him when he goes to confront the Midianite leaders. He turns to his son. So he's, he's with his dad. Um, <clears throat> he was uh, not hiding. He was hiding the, the wheat in the wine press from the Midianites. So what he was doing was an act of defiance and courage, not fear and cowardice. He had brothers. Uh, they were part of a, a, an army of resistance fighters against the Midianites, Midianite invaders. And all his brothers got killed, except uh, Gideon. And he returns to the family home in distress, as you could appreciate, that his Brothers have been wiped out. He was known by the Midianites. He was personally known. You know, you remember that incident where the, uh, they go down to the camp and one of the people in the tent has a dream. Midianites has a dream and, and tells his friend and says, I saw this, this loaf of, this barley loaf roll into the camp and everyone got killed. And the friend with fear says, this can be none other than Gideon. Now, that's before he'd ever done anything. And yet, a a, a random soldier knew who he was. Because he had a history. And when God said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor, he wasn't trying to make some teenage sloppy Joe feel good about himself. He was exactly that. He was a mighty, valiant warrior who'd suffered a tremendous setback in life. And the true story of Gideon is how to come back strong when everything goes wrong. That's the story of Gideon. And it's of far more use than the the fable. And why did I write write this? Ultimately, I wrote this for Gideon. Um, I wrote it for him. And he said to me, thank you, Tony. He said... I can't believe the things they're saying about me, but I want to thank you for putting the record straight and telling the truth. I said, Gideon, you're welcome, and I look forward to meeting you. (laughs) And that's absolutely true. Uh, So at the heart of the overcome, there were two key things about Gideon that attracted God's attention to him, and uh, it's it's the the retelling of his story. So, uh, amen. Have Have you got that one, Kathy? Okay, well, there you go. You're meant to give books away, so I'll give you that one, you know. Um, so the deal is, uh, just I'm just making it easy because sometimes we, we, I go around with an iPad, you know, an iZettle thing and I can do credit cards, and I didn't bring that today. So five, five pounds a book, okay? Just five pounds a book, any book, five pounds, there you go. Um, wow, it's, it's a big... Big season for us. I want to. I want to actually talk to you about seasons and moments, and um, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, weave into that a little bit of our story. We we planted. We moved from Huddersfield, as some of you will know, twenty years ago. <sighs> Can't believe it. Twenty years. We celebrated our twentieth anniversary of our church plant. Just my wife and I. God said, don't ask anyone to go. Don't say what you're doing. You just obey the Lord. And we went with, with no, uh, no financial backing materially, visibly. 
we, we, nobody knew us. There was no group of people waiting for us. We just upped and left, my wife and my, myself, my three, three small children. Two other families, God spoke to them, and they said, we want to come. I said, great, it'll be your faith. You, you come on your faith. And, and we went, and we started. Um, and it's been a, 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 an adventure. And, uh, uh, you know, incredible, incredible adventure. And uh, at this point in time, several, four things happened in, in September. We celebrated our 20th anniversary. It's funny, sometimes a lot of th- things come together. In a, and this was for us a Kairos moment, a massive Kairos moment. And I want to talk to you about that. Um, we... Uh, completed our building we you know one of the things as soon as I got the guidance to leave Huddersfield and there was an avalanche of word rhema word that came into my heart once I'd said yes to God and he said to me you'll take more on the inside than you leave on the outside so I knew we would have a building that would be bigger more wonderful than the one we'd left which was fun, you know, but this was going to be amazing. And uh, for for 14 years, we just met in school halls until we moved into our our purpose-built, brand-new purpose-built building, which we designed, and I, I dreamed with, with our architect. We just dreamed about it, and I said, I want a tower. He said, you can have a tower. And, and so... Um, I want a big staircase, you know, like like in uh, Gone with the Wind, you know. And uh, so you can have that. <laughs> so uh, we moved in and we've been expanding ever since. So in September, we finished the auditorium, uh, expanded it to a 500-seater um, and set up all the, the sound and multimedia. So we have a, a like, state-of-the-art venue now. And uh, the, the third thing was we put before the people... Uh, two of our spiritual children, Graham and Becca, incredible, incredible couple, to take on the lead pastoring role from us. We're still team leaders. And the fourth thing was we set up what we've called LifeSpring Global. And I have some of these brochures over there. You're welcome to take one and see what it is that we're doing. But basically what we've done is, is pull out and give a, a, a distinction between all the... Uh, the, the local, the church and city stuff and the missional and apostolic stuff which we've been doing for years but we've given it its own identity and financial distinction and transparency and set up this, so this is Lifespring Global so all our overseas stuff, healing evangelism projects in Mozambique our school of ministry which is now in its fifth year uh, our uh, our uh, what we call a Lifespring Apostolic family of, of churches and ministries, um, oh, loads of other stuff. It's all in there, and so I will I will lead that, and that's the season that that uh, God is is kind of launching my wife and I into. Uh, but we're not decoupling from the church. So it's the model has always been we are an apostolic house. We have one team, so we're still elders in the church. But in the room, in that team, Graham has the, the, the lead pastor role. I'm team leader. Uh, but we all serve the apostolic mission and we all st- serve the church together. So it's great. We just kind of switch hats around the room. It's great fun. It's working. We've been doing it for a couple of years already. But now this is the, the trigger to pull. Very, very exciting. So um, bless you. That's a little bit about uh, that. And then, oh, there's one other thing there. So... Oh man, I could 
don't have time to talk about this today, but I, I'm doing a big um, crusade in, in India. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's a miracle story in itself. And I've got a, a sheet over there if anyone's interested to find out. But basically, the persecution in India is getting very severe. And the Modi government is, is clamping down on, uh, you know, Christians in particular and Christian activity. They've, he's shut 10,000 charities, uh, World Vision, Compassion, all of those have been closed. Um, it's very difficult for any evangelist or missionary to operate in India, but God has given me a way so I'm going to conduct a big uh, crusade in Kaman City in Telangana State, and we're going to reach a quarter of a million people each night. So one of the things I do is I love preaching the gospel, and I, I do regular overseas healing, mass healing evangelism. So that's the next port of call. And uh, if, if you want to partner with me on that, uh, if you want to get behind that, or if you want to find out more, there's some, some news sheets over on the table. Praise the Lord. Okay. Quarter of 15 minutes of my time is gone, but we, we can do this. Can we do this? Yes, we can. Thank you. Right, I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 47. If you've got your Bible with you, switch it on and swipe to Ezekiel 47. Yeah? Okay. So I want to talk about uh, seasons and moments. Um, and this is very current for, for us. And uh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, okay. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. It's a familiar scripture if you've been around, uh, you know, Bible teaching in church for any number of years. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through the water. The water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water and the water came to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water and it came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross for the water was too deep. Water which one must swim. A river that could not be crossed. Wow. Awesome. Um, how do we understand the book of Ezekiel? It's, it's important that, that, that we get this right. There are two markers in the book of Ezekiel that help us get a grid on everything. The glory of God leaving the temple in chapter 10 and verse 18, the glory of God lifting and departing, and the glory of God returning to, in, to the, the temple in chapter 43, verse 1. Everything leading up to, to chapter 10 was God's grief and anger and, 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 and you know, um, his, his words of warning over the state of the nation, 
culminating in, in the glory of God lifting and departing. And then there's all those middle chapters where, where he, you know, he recounts his, his, his love for Israel and their failings. And then we move into prophecies to the nations in the 20s. And then as we come into the 30s, the, the, the wind changes direction and we be, begin to look forward into the anticipation of, of something new, the new covenant. So from about chapter 34 on, there's this unfolding of hope and promise and new life and resurrection and restoration, you know, the valley of dry bones, which is really the valley of resurrection life, um, and all these scriptures. And that culminates in the glory of God returning in chapter 43, verse 1. But it's not returning to the old temple. It's returning to uh, the, 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 the vision of the new temple. And God never said his glory would return to an old covenant carcass. So we know the return of God's glory must be in the context of the new covenant. And the theme of those chapters from the mid-30s on is the new covenant. And he's unfolding the new covenant and he's explaining the new covenant. And the glory of God is returning to a new covenant temple. And the key, here's, here's the, 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 the rub. The key to understanding those uh, highly metaphorical and, and pictorial and symbolic chapters that people trip up on in trying to interpret them, the key to understanding them is very, very simple. Ezekiel is giving us a description of the new covenant in old covenant terms. It's all a description of the new covenant, but in old covenant language, old covenant motifs, old covenant metaphors, old covenant symbolism, which the, the people could understand. So that's, it's simple really, guys, you know. Um, and it's, we see three-dimensional reality described in two-dimensional terms. And those new covenant descriptions keep reaching toward a climax, which is there in chapter 47, where the Holy Spirit is introduced and water is flowing from this temple. Now, we know from the end of Revelation that it's coming from the throne because we have the same picture, the temple from the throne. But here the doors are shut. In Revelation, they're open. Here the doors are shut. So he says the water is flowing under the door, the threshold of the temple, but it's coming from inside. The water flows from the throne. Amen. Yeah. And here we have this incredible description of new covenant life, new covenant Holy Spirit, new covenant power flowing from the very throne of God. And here's the other thing about this chapter, uh, uh, about the, the river of life and the Holy Spirit flowing from the throne. Suddenly, Ezekiel moves from being a commentator to a participator. Up until now, he's been observing, describing, telling us, commentating, analyzing. But at this point in time, he is invited to step in. 
And I want to tell you, doesn't matter how good your seeing is, your observation, your analytical powers, doesn't matter how big an expert you are on understanding the, the word of God or church or whatever else, you're only as good as your participation in what God is doing. You're only as good as your willingness to jump in the river. And God wants to move us from being commentators to participators. Amen. He led me. This is the hallmark of the passage we're reading. He brought me back to the door of the temple and water was flowing. He brought me out by way of the north gate. And and when the man measured off with a line, he led me. He measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through the waters. Lord God, the need of our day is not people who can analyze and criticize and have an opinion. The need, oh my God, you know, if, if there was as much... Holy Spirit on Facebook, as there is opinion, we'd have worldwide revival. Wow, I don't mind, I don't care for your opinions. I want to see your power. God hasn't called us to be to, to be experts, but to do exploits. We've got to move from expert to exploit. Exploiters participators in what God is doing. Jesus. A river flowing from the temple and he led me. God wants to lead us ever deeper. Ezekiel gets caught up in the administration of the Spirit. And it's therefore a significant insight into what God does out there in our lives and and in the world. Now, it says here, uh, water was flowing. One translation says water was trickling. Um, Where where is it? Uh, uh, There it is. Running, running, water was running out on the right side. Water was trickling. And when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through waters and the water came up to my ankles. Listen, guys, as far as God is concerned, a trickle is a move of the spirit. Ankle deep is enough. And, you, you know, OK, we all want more. Amen. Who, who, want, who wants who wants to go deeper? But if, if, you, if you're not enjoying ankle deep, if you're not even enjoying ankle deep, don't, don't, don't be dissatisfied with what God is doing if you're not even participating in it. And, and, and as, as far as God is concerned, if there's a trickle of water flowing, that's good enough to get in. Don't be dissatisfied that we, we haven't got waist deep or knee deep or chest deep if we're not even willing to jump in when God moves ankle deep. Yeah. Yeah. God is calling us to just get in, to get our shoes off and to get in. You know, uh, any, any little thing is, is good enough. Uh, to, to, it, you know, God, God will always give you enough to be a participator. Yeah. 
He'll always give you enough of his spirit to satisfy and lead you. He led me and it was ankle deep. And there's no complaint from Ezekiel. Oh, is this all it amounts to, Lord? You show me all this and all I get is an ankle deep. Ankle deep of the spirit. No, that was good enough because the key to going deeper and getting more is, is to participate in what there is participate in the moment maximize the moment maximize what you're in every day you wake up and you're alive with the holy spirit what are we going to do today lord where are we going today what is god doing god i want to tell you god is at work out there he's he's at work in every person you pass by we were we were talking in the car last week well on our way to birmingham we 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 have a religious we have a we're very very religious people we stop at a costas every trip are you ready Dan yep let's go in there we were all the whole team you know we're all hogging the machine and and I just I don't know what I just turned around there was a big guy stood behind me I said what do you want sir he said no I'm okay I said no I want to buy you coffee please I'm buying everyone else one it'll make no difference to to the wallet now you know I'm way I'm way gone now so one more it's fine he said okay I'll have a have a latte and we got talking and he was a Irish gypsy uh, a a roofer a roofer (laughs) I'm a roofer from Tipperary, so his name was Paddy. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't write, you know, Paddy, Irish Gypsy from Tipperary, and he and he's a roofer. He could have been a, a, a he could have done drives. That was the other thing, tarmac drives. But it, it, one or the other, it was going to be, wasn't it? One or the other. But he was a roofer. So we got talking, and he's a Catholic, a Roman Catholic, <laughs> and. Um, so we got talking, I gave him my card and we blessed him and uh, he said, do you, do you know about the Gypsy Church in Wolverhampton? I said, yes I do sir, you know, where do you live? Yes I live here and tell us about your church and, and uh, two days ago he called me and he said, uh, uh, he said Tony, is that you? I said, yes. He said, I want to come to your church with my family. He said, I, I, he said the one thing I haven't done is said, said the sinner's prayer and I want to say the sinner's prayer. Give my life to Jesus. Come on. Come on. I'm just just at the service station getting a coffee, you know. And and but but it's ankle deep, guys. Ankle deep is all around you. Ankle deep is in your in your street. Ankle deep is in your school. Ankle deep is in your office. Ankle deep is in your factory. Ankle deep is in your family. Ankle deep is in your neighbours. Don't discount the work of the Spirit. Because, you know, it may look like the the cloud, the size of a man's hand. And you've been praying. You don't say, is that all there is, Lord? Elijah said, that's good enough for me. There's a storm coming. Get running. But it's just a little cloud, Elijah. No, it's not. A storm is coming. Hallelujah. Amen. Ezekiel saw the trickle of water and he was led by God into something that was ankle deep. Get your feet in the river. Because the key to more is to steward what you have. I was watching... Yeah, keep keep moving. Go deeper. The river gets deeper. 
I'll just t tell you one thing about the, the, the shallows and the deeps. Um, I was watching uh, an Attenborough documentary um, uh, some, some, several years ago with one of the kids. You know, it's the typical Sunday afternoon on the beanbag, kind of like zoned out, you know, and there's this thing and fire's on and it's just snoozing. And, and, and it was all about dolphins. And these dolphins have a particular penchant, is that the word? Yeah. Like yeah. for a certain fish. But the fish, uh, you know, they're trying to obviously not get eaten. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. So <laughs> they, it's, it's in this part of New Zealand, and 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 the and the, and, the, and the, it's near the the shoreline. The fish live near the near the the shoreline. So what the fish do is they get as far up the shoreline, up the beach as they can, into as shallow water as they can, because they know the dolphins can't get there. But the dolphins, they do their best to get as far up there to try and grab the fish you see and the, so this little game goes on and and David is it David Attenborough yeah. Yeah. He's, he said <clears throat> he said this is this is what they do and then he said these words but he said the, the dolphins are desperate to get these fish because they love them but the shallow is the shallows are a very dangerous place because they were created for the deep and suddenly the Holy Spirit got my attention and, and he said, yes, you know, we, we are not created for the shallows. We are created for the deep and the shallows is a dangerous place. So, so don't stay in the shallows, my friend. Let's go deeper. Let's keep moving. Let's go on with God. Now, this is, this is what I'm, I'm leading up to. This, this is just, I'm just warming up here and get, getting into my introduction. Okay, keep going. And he measured a thousand. It was a river I could not cross. Now look, uh, a water that was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. Ezekiel continued in a pattern of going deeper and walking until a moment arrived in which everything changed. And, and what he'd been used to didn't apply and wouldn't work any longer. And this is the, the, what I want to explain to you, the way God works. God works in seasons and in moments. We could put it like this. Ezekiel came to a Kairos moment. It was still an administration of the, of the Spirit, but at this point in time, something was going to change. He couldn't walk any longer. There was going to be a new administration. It involved swimming. He was going to be out of depth. He, ha he had to shift his thinking. He had to shift his living. I'm, I've got used to this. Oh, ankle deep. Yeah, knee deep. Yeah, I get it. Oh, yeah, up to the, up to the thighs now. Yeah, I, I know how God works. I know what we're about. I, I've got this sorted up to the chest. But then suddenly everything changes. Can, can we wait till the end or is it really important? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to come to that. I'm going to explain that. That that's my message. Keep your fit seatbelt fastened because I'm coming to that. God deals in seasons and moments, and the moment is the point at which we have to change what we're in to something new. Now, 
Turn to Acts chapter 1 and verse 7. We To understand and maximize the purpose of God in our lives, we have to recognize the difference between a season and a moment. So let's just have a look at a few scriptures. Acts 1 verse 7. Jesus said to his disciples, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Now, in the Greek, there are two words for time. One is kairos, one is chronos. Kairos is a moment in time. Chronos is a period of time. Chronos we get because we have English words from that, you know, chronological and chronometer and all these words, chronology. Uh, It's a process, a season, a period, a measure of time. Kairos is a moment of time, but they're often uh, lost in translation. So here, this is how it actually should be translated. Now, concerning the times, and the word is kairos, so he's actually saying concerning the moments and the seasons, chronos, concerning moments and seasons, that uh, you have no need, sorry, uh, that I've, I've jumped down, sorry. It's not for you to know the times, kairos or seasons, chronos, that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So heaven orchestrates these things. They're not accidents in the earth. They are divine. And I'm talking about your life, church life, history, redemptive history, um, Revival history, I'm going to illustrate in a moment so you, you understand what I mean. 1 Thessalonians 5.1. Now concerning the times, there it is again, Kairos, and the seasons, Kronos, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Look at Acts 3, verse 19. Repent therefore, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times, or Kairos, moments of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time or the chronos for restoring all things. What is he saying here? That the heaven pours out revival seasons of refreshing. To us, they look like seasons, but from heaven's point of view, they are a kairos moment where something is going to shift, something is going to change, and we're going to come into something new. They are, they are introductory points. They are doorway moves into something new. Think of uh, the, the whole outpouring of the Spirit at the turn of the 20th century, 19th, 20th century, it was the the Pentecostal outpouring was a Kairos moment. Now it ushered in Pentecostal church history into the world, but it was also a Kairos moment. Think of the latter rain movement, the charismatic movement of the 60s, and, and, and then what happened in 1994. We think of those as seasons of refreshing, but from heaven's perspective, God was opening a door by the Holy Spirit for a fresh revelation, a fresh encounter, a fresh dimension, a fresh experience, and a fresh 
restoration of his people to new levels of power and fruitfulness. So look at Acts 3, 19, 21. The, uh, uh, Kairos moments of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord um, and that he may send the Christ whom heaven must receive till the season, a time, a period for restoring all things. Moments are Kairos times, seasons are Kronos times. And divine seasons begin and end with Kairos moments. One season moves to another season through the door of a Kairos moment. Now, you can see this in the Bible. You can see this in redemptive history. You can see this in church history. Let me just explain this. Egypt, the 430 years that the people were in Egypt was a chronos season. It was a period of time in which God dealt with his people in a particular way, in a particular administration, and it came to an end with a kairos moment of deliverance. The people came out, Egypt was judged, they kept the Passover, they crossed the Red Sea. And what happened? They entered into another chronos season not 430 years but 40 years everything changed just like for Ezekiel he went from walking to swimming now the people had to go from slavery to being uh, a traveling nation in the wilderness and everything was different they had a rock that followed them giving them water they had a pillar of cloud to lead them they had manna from heaven quail meat shoes that didn't wear out supernatural provision and protection and it was all God's will for them how did it end with another Kairos moment when they crossed the Jordan and entered the promised land what did that do usher in a new season a new administration everything had changed they're no longer wandering uh, you know desert dwellers now there's no more manna from heaven there are cities and giants and fields and vineyards they have to conquer, they have to inhabit, they have to possess, they have to work, they have to plant and sow and harvest and thresh grain. It's all change, but it's all God. It's all God. Now then, here's the main principle for understanding how to navigate these moments and seasons in our own lives. If we will take care of the seasons, God will take care of the moments. He is the manager of the divine moments in your life. We are the stewards of the seasons. Everybody wants a breakthrough. Hands up if you'd like a breakthrough. Amen. If I, if I did an appeal right now and said, oh, this is breakthrough morning. You know, it's just time for breakthrough. Come up God, as an anointing for breakthrough. Everyone will be up. We all want our breakthrough. If I said, I've got grace for you to endure your season for another five years. Anoint- <laughs> huh? How many takers? Ah, it's a little different, isn't it? But you know what? That's exactly what we need. We need to maximize 
the season and work with the grace of God that is that is available to us in the season that we're in because the key to breakthrough is is stewarding the season Praying for breakthrough doesn't produce breakthrough if you're not working with the grace of God in what you, He's given you to do. Just going to, you know, going to a Benny Hinn conference or a, conf- you know, a, a special meeting to get somebody to lay hands on you is not going to produce a birth if you're not nine months pregnant. You know, you, you're more likely. To end up with a, the other thing. What's it called? You know, <laughs> uh, you know when when the the miscarriage, miscarriage, uh, 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 or, or wind. Um, but no, I, it's it's serious. I'm not making light of of, of miscarriage. My, my wife had a miscarriage, so I'm not making light of it at all. But you understand, in the, spiritually, too many of God's people are trying to. Push harder to produce something, and it's not your time. It's not your time. God is the Lord of the breakthrough. 2 Samuel chapter 5. He's the Lord of the breakthrough. He knows how to line you up. He knows how to get you on the starting blocks. Listen, for us, this is comforting because we have been in a 20-year season. Seriously, 20 years of pretty much doing the same thing. You know, most of my time, I, I've been invisible. You know, you can just see me because of the dirt coming out the hole. I'm down there with a spade, you know, at the coalface of pastoring, loving our city, praying, discipling, knocking the lala out of people, you know. Um, <laughs> Pastoring, <laughs> discipling, you know, getting people discipled, you know, getting down with people and dealing with stuff and helping them through situations and not just, you know, stroking the flesh, but actually, actually discipling. We, we have a ton of, of guys like this because we've spent time at the coalface, my wife and I, you know. And uh, now the moment... The moment has come. September 2018 was a Kairos moment. And there was a massive shift in the Holy Spirit. And there is a, the, it's been accompanied by prophetic dreams, prophetic words, doors of opportunity. It's incredible. Uh, the stories I could tell India is, is, is an incredible miracle. I said yes to God over this. And, and he showed me what to do. And I've, I've needed to raise... Uh, well, so far, £150,000. And when I said yes, I was in Nepal. I went, from, I went from Hyderabad to Nepal. I spoke to my friend out there in India. And, and, I, and I, said, I said, let me pray about this opportunity to reach the whole of India. The whole of India. No, not just in the crusade, but through TV. Um, live TV every night. Uh, whole of India, Nepal, Bangladesh, a third of China and Tibet and Sri Lanka. We can do it. It's right there. And I said, I, 
flew up to Nepal. I checked in my hotel in Kathmandu. And all night I wrestled with God. The whole night I didn't sleep. And in the morning I said yes. (coughs) And when I said yes, it was just like when we moved from Huddersfield to Wolverhampton. Then the words start flowing. And he said, I'll show you what to do. And then he said to me, oh, by the way, Tony, he said, "Uh, you're not to ask the church for a penny. No offerings, no appeals. I will show you what to do. So... uh, this has all come from other, other means. God is blessed and we're, we're lining up for this. But, yes, that's, I've got to land this. Um, hmm. Seasons are really important for our life. They are the place we build capacity for the breakthrough to the next season. And don't grow weary. Don't grow weary because God is with you in that season. But you see, you, when you cross the Red Sea and come out of Egypt, you don't sit on the corner of the desert waiting for the next breakthrough. You walk through that desert you you enjoy the grace of God as it is manifest to you with a pillar of cloud and water from a rock but if that's the grace of God you do it and then you 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 know when you come to the Jordan and you cross that you don't sit on the edge of Canaan waiting for an angel to dispossess the cities you work with the grace of God in that season And you have to recognize what God has given you to do in every season. You see, the God of suddenly is also the God of slowly and steadily. And you have to commit to building steadily in order to enjoy being blessed suddenly. We all love the suddenlies, but who will embrace the steadilies? You have to embrace the seasons while they endure in order to enjoy the moments when they come. And the breakthroughs will come suddenly and God will orchestrate and he has no problem getting you in position for the suddenly. I'm going to actually switch this off and finish because I I need to land this. Man, the things the Lord has said. He said said to me, Tony, you're going to travel well. You're going to travel comfortably. You're going to move into assignments. I'm going to give you assignments. And I want to close with this. Um, I, I had a prophetic dream in, in September. Uh, and, and we're going to pray. Um, I've got to tell you about this. And I'll use this as, as a little prelude to, to pray. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for anyone who wants to be filled with the Spirit afresh. We'll pray for the sick. The, t- the team will pray. And we're we just here to bless you and love on you. But I will tell you this. I had a dream. And in this dream, I get on a plane, uh, a, a, um, a, a commercial plane, a jet plane. And in my dream, I get on the door and I turn left. Now, you know what that means. <laughs> first class. And I turn left, I go into first class. And I'm in this beautiful lounge, like the Virgin Atlantic lounge, you know, first class lounge. And there's a cocktail bar and there's leather, you know, lovely leather 
couches. And I'm sat there and there's people, you know, dreams can be a bit strange. People getting on and off, even though we're flying. But there you go. So it's, 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 it's a journey. It's life. You know, it's life uh, at a supernatural level. Because in dreams, uh, you know, cars and walking is, is natural. But if you're in a plane, that, that's, that's about a divine destiny and divine journey. And when I, get, when, I, when I go to get off, I'm the last person off, I, I pick my bag up, my carry-on, and I notice there's another bag there. I, I look down, there's another bag. I, I lift it up, and it's a brown leather, beautiful leather case, and I open it, and there's a Bible in there, and a notebook, and pens, and other things, and immediately, in my spirit, I know this belongs to a believer, someone with a ministry, and they've, they've become detached. They've got off the plane, and left their bag on board. And I feel grief, and I feel, oh no, you know, this person, whoever it is, has lost their bag. And I think, I can get it to them. I can get off with this bag without arousing suspicion. And there'll be information in here, I can reunite this person with their bag. And then I look down and I see about, I don't know why, but there was a number 15, there's like 14 or 15 other bags. And I'm filled with grief, I want to cry. Because I see all these people who've got separated from their call and their ministry. And I'm crying in my dream and I'm thinking, Lord, what can I do? I can't. It's too much to handle. But there's so many people who've got off the plane and left their bag on there. I can't help them all. But I, I pick up the one and I say, at least I can help this one. And I get off the plane and the dream ends. And I pray much about this, and, and I know exactly the interpretation that one of the things that the Lord has given me to do in this big season of my life now, for the next 20 or 30 years, is, is to reunite people spiritually, you know, to, to, to reunite people with, with their destiny. Because there are a lot of believers, for one reason or another, have got separated from their ministry, their call, their destiny. Either they got discouraged, they got distracted, they got defeated. But I want to tell you, the gifts and call of God are irrevocable. And there is grace for you to be reunited, to get your anointing back, to, to, get, to get your bag back and to get back on the journey. You got off the plane and left your bag and God is saying, no, it's time to get reunited with that bag. So, praise the Lord. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone and we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.